Music sync licensing is something that I admittedly know very little about. I like to think that I'm pretty knowledgeable on a lot of things when it comes to music and music business and all the stuff. Sync is something that I really don't have much experience with, but it is something that I want to learn more about. And that begins with this video. Now, if you're new here, my name's Tom, and on this channel, we talk about music marketing, branding, NFTs, and more. Everything we need to know to move from making music as a hobby to making music as a business. I recently sat down with Eric Copeland from the YouTube channel Make Music Income. Eric has a ton of experience with sync licensing, both with TV and film, and with sync libraries. And we'll get into what the difference is between those two things in our conversation. Eric was kind enough to share some of his time with me and let me pick his brain about sync licensing and making money from adding your songs to libraries or getting in touch with uh, music directors for shows and films and things like that. I think this conversation is going to be massively helpful to all of us, myself included. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Eric Copeland from Make Music Income. Well, Eric, thank you for being here. Thanks for hopping onto the channel with me. Um, I would love to start by just kind of introducing yourself and tell everybody who you are, what it is you do, um, and what your YouTube channel is all about. Sure. Well, my name is Eric Copeland. I've been a music producer mainly as my main income for about the past 21 years. And uh, over the past three or four years, I have begun to take all of my uh, skills and talents that have been refined uh, from my, my beginnings in Kentucky and studios to going to Nashville for pretty much the last 15 years of working with the folks there and players and engineers and studios there. And then moving to Orlando area where you've got all the Disney World people in the entertainment sector here mm -hmm. and really starting to shift my focus from working for artists as you do mm -hmm. to more working uh, with artists but also being more of a composer. I went back to school, I went to MTSU for uh, to finish up some undergrad work in music business and music history, which is something I'm crazy about. But, um, and then I decided to go get a master's, but we decided to move to Florida. So we moved to Florida mm -hmm. and I went to school and just in May of this year, finished my uh, master's in composition, which was awesome. a lot of fun and a lot of work, but a lot of fun. But um, I'm done with school now. There will yeah. be no more school. Once I'm teaching <laughs> at a school, there will be no more school. Right. Uh, it was fun, and I'm glad I did it. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I've been trying for a few years to figure out a way. I've had a long-time business called Creative Soul Records, mm -hmm. which has been mainly focused in uh, – that particular label has been focused in the gospel and, and inspirational world, especially since I was in Nashville, and there's that big – uh, part of that business is there. Right. Uh, and so I would have people coming in town to record and do those kind of albums. But I've also been really involved in jazz. I have a jazz group and brand that has done pretty well over the past 11 or 12 years. And then I do my own music, a lot of piano music, a lot of all sorts of different genres. And mm -hmm. 
uh, like I said, I, I started down the road of my master's and at about the same time I started down the road of focusing on music licensing. Mm-hmm. And so as I did, I started to learn a lot of stuff that was a completely kind of left turn from left turn from, <laughs> I've never been good with my right and left, left turn f- away from, um, from production for artists and artist marketing and things like that. It's a completely different world, but it's a very similar world. The product that we made is basically the same. You're just making music for use instead of music for you, is is kind of my saying. Um, You're making music for a television television show scene Mm -hmm. or music underneath a reality show or a a trailer for a a movie or you're making... music for any kind of use in uh, especially commercials ads things like that those are the best paying ones and so i kind of started to steer that way just because i had entered back into my composing time and my composing life which i planned just to be the rest of my life and i wanted to spend time creating products and creating music that could be used and become passive income um, being used inside of different kinds of licensing from sync licensing and also stock licensing, which is more of a lower end music. uh, But it's not lower quality necessarily. It's just used for smaller type of uses such as YouTubers or um, uh, presentations and things like that. And you, you see these on, on libraries and that has become an income stream, which we'll talk about here in just a little bit. But uh, as is probably the case with you. I make all of my income on about 10 different things. Right. Any, ranging from royalty streams to um, stock licensing income to mm. uh, products that I have on sale, um, including music products and Spotify. Mm. But mostly right now, what my income comes from is either consulting or producing people. Right. Um, the producing part is starting to phase out as I hand off production to other producers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the consulting thing, as you know, it really never dies. And, and, and the more experience you get on something or anything, uh, and, and generally in life as a person who can teach from doing, I think you're going to have more, uh, consulting business than you are, um, whatever that thing that you do is. I I started the consulting thing way back in 2005 because I wanted to kind of suss out who was I was going to work with uh, right. production-wise yeah. and make sure they were ready and make sure they knew what the costs were and what the projects, what the process was and all that kind of stuff. And finally, um, it solidified into a, a sort of consulting that really lasted through the whole time of working with that artist from working with them in their songs to working with them in their productions to working with them in their marketing. So I've been doing all that for 21 years. And now um, that is, I've added to that the the licensing part, which is pretty much the same job. You still have to write great music. You still have to produce it really well. And you still have to market it really well. But the marketing is more pitching in a publishing type of way. It's almost going back to being a songwriter 
and then walking into Nashville and knocking on doors at publishers and trying to get publishers to say, yes, we want this music. We think we can use it. Except those publishers are now people who run music libraries or music supervisors for TV and film and things like that. So it's really not any different than it was that it has been for a hundred years of trying to make music and, and interest people in it. Mm -hmm. It's just the people I'm trying to interest in it are people who want to use it for some use behind some kind of, of, of moving picture, which is why they call it sync because you're syncing music to video. So there's sync licensing. And, and then some of that music can go into other libraries like stock libraries. And I'm sure you've used, things like epidemic sound or, or, or libraries like that, that are, um, have music that you can put behind video things. And so, uh, I do all of those things and many more things, Tom <laughs> websites. I I've done, I, I just got done editing a video for a client and, um, all of that, which I hope to kind of bring down more and do more because there's too much composing. I could just compose and pitch all day and that would be enough. And you know how that is. You could probably just compose and produce your your own music all day long. If if yeah. if there was no money concerns, that's probably a lot of times what you do. Although you yeah. like now talking to people and talking yeah. about what you do. And so do I. And so that's how this new channel came about. I was sitting outside and I was thinking, there's got to be a way to share this information. Because I'm watching people like you online. I'm watching people like Andrew Southworth. I'm watching... Jesse with Sync My Music, I'm watching Daniel with Stock Music Licensing, I'm watching all these people, I'm watching uh, Damian Keys, I'm watching uh, all these different people that are talking about the music industry as it pertains to them and what they're doing. Right. I think, where is my space? And so I, I just decided, you know, if there was just a way, the thing that's most interesting to me and, and that I ask everyone first and in our interview that we did together uh, for my channel, I, the first thing I asked you was, how do you make income, yeah. you know, and making music income was the most interesting thing to me. I said, wouldn't it be great if make music.com, make music income.com was available. Right. And it was, and then there was wow. no make music income on YouTube, youtube.com slash make music income. That's incredible. Was available. So was Instagram make music income. Wow. I said, I have found a brand. And so I just, I, I bought everything as I usually do when I come up with an idea before yep. I, I even implement it. I just buy everything. We all do. <laughs> and so <laughs> I just bought it all. <laughs> yeah. And then I started thinking, okay, how am I going to, to roll this out? So I actually, you know, I have a 30 day rule, Tom. I, I, it, I have to think about something for 30 days before I actually make the first post. In other words, I can't start, think of something and then start a business the next day. It right. just is not going to work. And so I thought about it and I, I carefully planned out a bunch of videos and I said, what are the things I want to do first? And the first video was six ways to make music income, which started with sync licensing, stock licensing, mm -hmm. artist income, you know, including streaming and things like that, but also gigs and sales. Um, publishing, music publishing. Oh, I forgot. Starting an online channel of some kind, yeah. uh, music publishing and music production. Those are six ways that 
six big ways that you can make music income, not getting into being a music teacher or being a music director at a church or things like that, but just getting into the things that you could do from your home studio, basically, as for income. And I've pretty much so far built the channel around that, although I will tell you that most people are most interested in music licensing. It's like you probably started your channel thinking I could do, I could talk about lots of different things, but it all really gravitated to the ads for Spotify, probably. Yeah, that's what people and, <laughs> Yeah, and they find that thing and they say, that's what I want to follow that guy for. And so uh, my audience is mainly people interested in licensing of some kind, mm -hmm. either stock music licensing, which is a big thing, mm -hmm. or sync licensing. But I'm hoping that also artists will come to this channel and see folks like you and find out things about NFTs and find out things about ads for streaming and, and different strategies like that. Because I want to also get into publishing next. We're going to get into that and talk with some publishers and friends of mine in Nashville and different things about where the state of music publishing is and things like that. And then I want to talk about music production, which is what I still do. And there's probably every single person that's following my site right now is a music producer of some kind. They make right. music in their bedroom, if nowhere else. Right. So um, going to talk about all those things, but it will probably mainly revolve around licensing Mm -hmm. And because that's that's where my that's where my heart is composing and licensing, and the the act of finding places that you can put your music that will then bring income back to you passively. So. Right. Cool. Well, a lot oh, to I'm unpack. Sorry. I have a lot of questions <laughs> here. So, the first place I'd like to start is. I feel like I have a firm grasp of it, but I would like to ask anyway. What are the big differences between stock licensing and seek licensing and how do you go about approaching those two gaining access to opportunities in each of those areas the good news for you is i've already done a video on this on my channel so you can refer to that if you want to go to makemusicincome.com which for right now just sends people right to my youtube page but um the big difference is that they are they are the same that they are different. Mm -hmm. They are both writing music that someone is going to use and pay money for in some way. Right. Let's start with stock music because that is a lower entry point to get into licensing than sync licensing. Um, stock music is basically libraries like Pond5, Audio Jungle, Motion Array, and there are many others. Um, but what you're doing is providing some kind of two to three minute music that is going to be used for people to, first of all, most likely use under their YouTube videos. That seems to be the main customer of stock music libraries is YouTubers mm -hmm. or people making a YouTube video of some kind or people using it for a corporate presentation or something. Okay. Think stock photos, stock mm -hmm. video, stock audio and there's audio that's not music there's there's sound effects there is all sorts of things that's on there also on some of these sites you're going to see after effects templates and lightroom templates and all these kind of different things that that they have stock things that you can use in your media making right. and so stock music is a part of that and some of the sites are more focused on music and some of those sites are 
just to add music in as one of the things. Like, for instance, Audio Jungle is just a part of Envato, which has everything from web templates to graphics to video to everything. I, I'm a, I pay Envato every month for stock stuff so I can use it in my videos and or in client videos and all that kind of stuff. So um, that is, I'm a customer and a contributor uh, right. at the same time. But uh, then there are other ones like, um, gosh, there are a few other ones that are only music and they're just for stock music. So, and usually the, the companies are doing two models. They either have a subscription model, which lets you pay $20 a month or hundred dollars a year or whatever the, their, their fees are. Mm-hmm. And you can download as much as you want, mm-hmm. as much as you want. Yeah. Um, and then there's the other model, which is you get to price what each song is. I say, I want every song to be $49 right. that I put up there. And, you know, for me, Tom, the, other people will disagree with this, but I put everything up there. I put everything from vocal music to actual music that sounds like background music to piano, solo piano stuff, because that's one of my genres, yeah. jazz stuff, because that's one of my genres, um, indie folk stuff. Now, I would say probably 75 to 80% of it is instrumental, likely. But I do throw a lot of vocal stuff up there. I just always put an instrumental along with that. Or do you sell put your official releases as an artist on there? Or do you just write music solely for that that is separate? That was the first thing I did. That's how I got in. Because I had produced three albums and two EPs of contemporary jazz with the players of Nashville mixed by the engineers of Nashville. So it was like high bar stuff, right? And so I knew the quality was good. And then I had a, a bunch of solo piano albums that I had done over the years. And and it's hard to mess up solo piano. I mean, especially if you have a decent, uh, you know, Keyscape or Ivory or something. And I was using Ivory most of the time. Now I use Keyscape. But either of those is going to provide pretty quality piano samples and if you record them correctly there's not a lot of mixing and mastering work to that Mm -hmm. and uh those two things help me get into almost every library especially the bigger ones and uh then i also had a bunch of stuff as we all do hang around on my hard drive that i'd Mm -hmm. started or finished and never did anything with and and it was nice background kind of music it didn't didn't have a, a lead line or a, or a top line on it really so it was just background music well that's exactly what these sites wanted and so once i started it's like it's like when you're a vampire and you get that first taste right. you just then you become like a crazy person and i once i got that first six dollars yeah. from a song that had been sitting on my hard drive not even one of my my brand, my artist brand songs, but just a song that had been sitting on my hard drive that kind of made some MIDI jazz trio song. Yeah. It made me $6. And I was like, I didn't do anything for that except upload it to this library. Yeah. And uh, then another site, which was a subscription site. A lot of people don't like subscription sites because people are, can get as much as they want of your music for a, a low price. Right. But the, the benefits of being a contributor to a subscription site is that you get money every day. It's not based on sales. You don't have to wait for that one person to come along and find your song along 900,000 songs on Pond5 and choose your song to pay $49 for, and you get half of that. Every day you're getting a piece of the pie. 
you're getting a piece of all the subscription yeah. money. Okay. And, and that makes you just want to throw everything in there, throw your whole <laughs> yeah, catalog yeah. in there. Now, is, is it allocated based on how much your music is specifically used? That's how your piece is. Well, it's like BMI. It's a hazy mystery on how it's all allocated. That's you know, um, it's one of it's his music. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It, it, we just don't know. And uh, but the the bottom line is, and sometimes you can tell a song becomes popular. It gets on the staff picks page on this on the front of the site where people go to audio and one of the first songs is yours you're likely going to be making some money that right that, because that's the first thing people see before they start searching and they go oh i might like that one or you're in the top of a certain category people search for corporate music if they're searching for corporate music for a presentation and you're in the top of that you're you'll likely see more income from that but you know only a, a handful of the sites are subscription the rest you you put how much you want to sell it for and there are people who play play it as a penny game and they put their songs up for a dollar or five dollars and they don't make much of anything but they sell a lot because they don't cost anything yeah. and then there are people like me who really just keep everything at 50, <clears throat> 50 bucks and i'll live with the one or two sales a month at 50 bucks <laughs> rather than 10 sales at a dollar you know and i just can't devalue my music that much i'm sorry no. i can't do well in my either. world one fifty dollar sale a month is that's almost a week of advertising to send traffic to spotify so <laughs> well you and i i'm one of those people who says that you can't compare this to spotify you can't yeah. the best thing that you can compare spotify sales to is radio yeah. because radio is built on the number of listeners at that time listening to that song and that's how much royalties you get paid Right. Spotify works the same way. It depends on the number of listeners. And that's why I fight with people, especially in all places, Nashville. You know how oh, yeah. Nashvillians hate There's Spotify. an anti-Spotify sentiment. Boy. But I say, listen, it's the same as radio. Yeah. It really is. I mean, if you took a, a, a thousand people listening and, and it's anyway, that's another conversation. But licensing to me is, is the better use. Yeah. I'd, yeah, it's a $50 sale of your song and you're thinking, hey, my song's even worth more than $50 for someone to be able to have it on their computer and use it as much as they want. And I'm like, well, yes, but it's most of the libraries I work with in stock music, and this won't be the same in sync, but in stock music are all non-exclusive. So you can take all of the songs that you have on this library and put them on that library and put them on that library and put them on that library. And I just have a, a certain amount of songs that are non-exclusive and they can go everywhere and be used as much as they want on all of those libraries. So to me, it's no different than putting songs on Spotify, putting songs on Apple, putting songs on Tidal, putting songs on Amazon. They're on all those places because you want to be everywhere. And it's the same I, thing with, with this stock music. Yeah. And uh, in general, they pay about the 15th of the month. Anything you get paid, they have a payout. So Usually it's a twenty-five to fifty-dollar payout. There are ones that are more than that, but generally the ones that I, that pay me the most are a twenty-five dollar to fifty-dollar payout, okay. and they pay uh, about the fifteenth of every month through PayPal. That's awesome. So, you know, so how money. does that compare then to actual sync licensing? Stock licensing feels to me as an outsider, kind of starting to get into this. Stock licensing feels like it's accessible it's you know anybody can for, for the most part go to a lot of these sites and sign up 
But sync licensing feels very much very different, more like a gatekeeper situation where you've got to get in someone's good graces. You've got to make a connection. You've got to create a relationship. How does that work? Sync licensing is basically music publishing. It's like approaching a music publisher with your work and getting them to accept it so that they can do something with it. Okay. And what they're going to do with it is sign you to a deal that's very much like a music publishing contract. Right. We'll take 50% of whatever we make mm -hmm. uh, and we'll take the publisher side and you'll take the writer side and anything else we make on mechanicals, we'll split 50-50 basically. Right. So if any, if in the old days it would have been CDs, if CDs are, if a label wants to use the song to release anything that they pay us for mechanicals, we will split 50-50. And then there's the writers and publisher side of the, of the, of the performance royalties. Right. We'll split that 50-50. It's pretty much the same in sync licensing. You're going to find like, for instance, this year I've signed with three different exclusive libraries. And okay. these are not songs that I can um, put on my non-exclusive libraries because they are now exclusive to these libraries. Right. And these are basically publishers who put this on their exclusive libraries for people in the business to find. Right. Hopefully music supervisors looking for the right song for a television show, mm -hmm. um, music, um, just anyone looking for a right song for a use. It could be someone searching for a song for a commercial. Mm -hmm. could be someone, a film person, looking for the right songs for their movie or whatever. Mm -hmm. And those are basically the big three. There's also gaming, which is kind of a fourth area in, in sync licensing. And there's other places that license music. But majority of it's going to be a television, film, advertising, right. or gaming. And right. those are going to be the main places. And they're they're looking for exclusive music. And they don't want to just go find some non-exclusive music and pay $49 for it. Because first of all, they can't. Because on a lot of those sites, there are different levels. On the non-exclusive sites, even, there are different levels. Mm -hmm. And there are different licenses they'll have to buy and pay more for for bigger audiences. Gotcha. But they don't want their song also appearing in some goofy YouTuber's video right. at the same time. Right. So, um, you know, some guy just sitting around talking about NFTs and stuff like that. I don't want that uh, right. for their big song that's going to be in this movie or whatever. But anyway, um, they're looking for something special and they're looking for something exclusive that to their television show or whatever. And they're looking to discover new indie talent. That's become another big part of this. Um, yep. That's not my way in. Mine is more of a production company. But um, indie artists and people who are folks like in your audience and people like yourself mm -hmm. could certainly uh, find those kind of libraries and companies that would work with. Um, and then there's a middle ground between the two, between stock licensing and sync licensing of places like Artlist, places <laughs> like Epidemic Sound, and that's a whole outlier. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. But uh, do you use Epidemic Sound? No, because I'm not going give to give up my publishing rights to... Well, that's it. why you don't want to do it as a contributor, but I didn't know if you used it for oh, your no, site. No. Okay. Anytime I, know a lot I of YouTubers do. Videos, I just write something quickly and make my own. <laughs> well, me too. Um, and, and a lot of YouTubers talk about Epidemic Sound, and just real quickly, as a contributor, you cannot be part of a PRO if yeah. you want to be on there, like which that. I can't understand mm -hmm. what you... I mean, that's a very narrow existence unless 
I mean, you can't even like just say, well, these songs aren't in my PRO. You can't even be in right. a PRO. Yeah, I'm not so crazy. But there are other libraries like Artlist, like Musicbed, like um, Music Vine. They are really looking for folks like almost exactly like you or like Andrew or like they're looking for artists who have music that they can use to uh, and they'll probably want your your song and the instrumental. But it's a strange kind of mix between a music library, exclusive music library, and sometimes non-exclusive. Artlist is non-exclusive. And a Spotify vehicle where they are, um, where they work kind of together. Um, one of my art, one of my kind of partners in, uh, we're doing a podcast together right now, and he's also in the licensing spaces, and he uh, has been an artist artist this year, mm-hmm. and he has seen his uh, Spotify go crazy yeah. because of of the uses there. And he's waiting for his first check. They only pay once a year versus every month. Okay. But uh, we're we're waiting for that podcast episode where he reveals how much he made this year on Artlist because that is going to be very interesting. But that's kind of a middle ground. But where I have really been playing is either in the non-exclusive um, stock music licensing and just I, I almost think of them as B and C libraries for stuff that I don't get placed on the exclusive libraries. And then there's also an exclusive pitching it yourself, but that's just self-publishing. I mean, that's basically, um, it's the same thought as if you are a a songwriter and you go right to a label to try to pitch your songs to an artist. Well, that's what you're doing. Taxi, those services. No, 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 we'll get to taxi in a minute. This is more like being a sync agent where you are trying to be your own agent for your own music and make the deals yourself. If you make a deal with the average deal with a music library, and I have a one with that's kind of tied to Sony BMG and universal and that library, if we get a $2,000 uh, license from a CBS television show for a, a use in a episode, mm-hmm. then they will take a thousand and I will get a thousand. Okay. And then when it's reported to BMI on the Q sheets, nine months later, they'll get the writer, they'll get the publisher side and I'll get the writer side. And that's the general way music libraries work. Just that's pretty much the accepted way, which is same in music publishing as a music agent or a, a sync agent for yourself. You can go right to the music supervisor and Find those, uh, again, we're talking about networking and relationships and having those people to, right. on a private email list, which you just go, hey, I have a new song that just came out. I think you're going to really love it. But it doesn't go to the public. It just goes to these these certain people. Right. And you approach people who you know are looking for songs for that television show that's set in the 1970s. And you've got this really cool right. uh, ghetto 1970s uh, funk tune, you know, and you, you say this would be perfect for you. You make that deal yourself. You get all of the $2,000. You get all of your writers and publishing because the music supervisor who you're pitching to, that their job, they're already being paid. They're right. being paid to find the music for the show. They're right. not interested in getting into your into your money. So right. all that $2,000 upfront is yours and all the money, both writer side and publishing side is yours. Cool. So, um, and, and on the stock side, so far, and I'll let you know in a year, 
but I don't think there's going to be much PRO stuff happening with stock. Right. Um, some of the some of the sites are non-PRO, like you can't be part PRO, or they tell you we're just not going to pay your PRO. We're right. the, we just don't do that, and because uh, they don't want to make their clients have to pay more or be flagged or whatever. There's also the content ID issue, which is a whole other thing, and uh, I, I am not part of content ID in any any way, shape, or form right now. I don't have anything in content ID because. Uh, there's some complications there with uh, libraries and mm -hmm. non-exclusive libraries, the stock libraries where people could be flagged on their video when they want to monetize their video. They don't want your song monetizing their video. And so then they have to go through this whole procedure to whitelist songs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and, and then there are ways you can also um, click something to say, I don't want to see any video, any songs that are yeah. part of content ID. They also have that for PRO, by the way. Right. But uh, I always I always do my PROs on, you know, on all those. I just don't do content ID right now. Cool. So with with sync specifically, how how would an artist say somebody who watches my channel, an independent artist, what are the first steps they would take to try to find opportunities or create relationships with a sync company to pitch their songs on their behalf? Well, it's like anything. Um, if you are a songwriter and you were writing songs and you want to approach publishers, what you would do is start trying to identify publishers that had the kind of music that you have. Mm -hmm. It's a little easier, I think, for sync licensing where you can look up libraries and say, okay, I'm looking for sync uh, music libraries that are exclusive and you just start doing the research, man. I mean, it's it's not much different than any other thing. Um, you you have to go out and do a Google search and search yeah. uh, exclusive music library, and a bunch will come up, and you can say, okay, and then you got to research them and say, okay, my music is like this. Does it fit in there? Sometimes you can go in the music and listen to their libraries mm -hmm. and go to your style and say, what do they have in that style? Oh, they don't have that much. And I do a lot of that stuff. So I yeah. might be a good fit for them. You also have to be willing to sign contracts that are going to put your songs into long-term, sometimes perpetuity deals. Now, that's not such a bad thing because that doesn't have anything to do with Spotify. Right. That only has to do with stink rights. Right. Um, so I could take all the songs I've released on Spotify, identify a company, sign an exclusive license, give them exclusive in perpetuity of those songs, but they don't touch any of my Spotify royalties or what I can do with my music or anything. In like most that. deals. There, there, there might be some that, that balk at that. The three I'm signed with don't care. Okay. They say you can release anything to Spotify you want. And so far that seems to be the general feeling is because they're not interested in, in mechanicals. Yeah. They're interested in, in, in performance royalties. Sure. And I don't know how much PRO, money you're getting from spotify stuff yeah not much <laughs> so, and, and that's what they're going to be signing into they're going to be signing as the publisher this right. exclusive library as the, getting the publishing side so yeah if if spotify all of a sudden said we're going to start you know uh paying your 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 pros of course if the world would rejoice but right. um you know the publishers would be like hey now that's part of our income so we can't let you do that but in most cases they don't care uh, because they're really the sync fee really is the big one that they care about, and that has nothing to do with anything 
uh, related to mechanicals. And then the PROs, there's some some deals are different. Some there's not much up front, but there's a lot in the back end. It's all backloaded, and some vice versa. It's preloaded, and there's going to be no PRO pay. They say, listen, this is a five thousand dollar payout up front. No PROs in the back end. Do you want it? And you say, yes, of course yeah. I want it. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and and that's the difference about stock music and sync licensing too, because sync licensing is very lucrative. Where you have to understand that television shows have budgets for each episode, sometimes up to $30,000 just for music. And now sometimes a big chunk of that goes to a Rolling Stones song, right? And so they only have 2,000 or 3,000 left for the rest of the music for the whole show. But uh, they just needed that Rolling Stones song for whatever reason, if they could get it, if they could afford it. But um, television, and television is the least paying of of those it's just that there's more opportunity in television especially as it continues to expand out into cable out into netflix land and all that kind of stuff so long-term royalties too on television especially so you get something that's a cult classic a favorite that just gets watched all the time on netflix like the office you know he's got a song in there a song in something like friends that just has legs for years i mean you're getting checks every year it's pro PRO money for as long as it's on. It's just amazing. Sure. Yeah. 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 There's only one upfront fee. I mean, it, it, there's only one sync fee. They'll pay a sync fee to use it. And then if you get more payments, it would be in the PR, in your PRO side in the back end. Um, but yeah, it, absolutely. And then film, they pay a little bit more because in the United States, film doesn't pay PROs. And so the, the, the payout for the use of your song in a film is bigger. And of course, the bigger the film, the bigger the, the payment. It could be a $10,000 placement. It could be a $50,000 placement. And then advertising is where it really starts to, to pay off. Yeah. Is because uh, they a lot of times they want an exclusive song um, and or they're going to play it or it's going to be an apple commercial apple call apple commercials or six figures you know payouts now i don't know if there's much pro money in that sure maybe there is but um it's also well good to note that in other countries there is pro payment um to your pro from film use and things like that so there's all sorts of of a menagerie of of things that you could go and talk about in this but those are pretty much the basics that, as I've learned them this year. And I'm not like the end all be all expert. I just know what I know from what the contracts I've signed. And like you, I just report what I, Your what own happens experience. to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're kind of getting towards the end of our time here, but this has been amazing. This has been so informative for me. I mean, I'm sure everybody else is going to learn from it too, but just selfishly, I've enjoyed this immensely. You should be you should be doing stuff with your songs. I, I am going in licensing for yeah, sure. I plan to this year uh, is something that I have long wanted to get into. I have always been curious about. I really just haven't known where to start, and um, now I feel like I have a, a good grasp on where to get going thanks to you. So, thank you for telling us this thank you for telling me this um on my channel i'm i'm getting ready to release some of my first few products the first product is an ebook just talk listing all the stock music libraries and how how good they are how much they paid me ones that i just have heard about but aren't in and then eventually i'm going to be doing the same thing with sync and how i got into that and and the, the 
the steps to do that to get into that but hey everybody it starts with making great music in the first place writing great songs and making really good productions it's it it's no different than your 60 percentile right Uh, it needs to be more like 80 percentile but uh it's it's got to be very high quality stuff Unless you're doing music that they want that was recorded in the 70s, which they want. It's right. crazy. They want old sound and stuff. They want everything. Uh, classical music. I've got a classical music deal with one library, same library. I've got a country album that I'm making, and I just released a classical Christmas album with them and a pop album this year with them. So, you know, they're libraries that are looking for all sorts of music. So. Well, Eric, thank you for being here. Thanks for all this information, and we will definitely do a part two. Hopefully, <laughs> we're going to have to. I think Absolutely. we're going to have to do part twos on both of ours. I think maybe next year and just really see where we are at that point. But um, right now, makemusicincome.com is the way you get to my YouTube channel. I also have the same thing at uh, Facebook or Instagram. And awesome. Uh, and I will leave a link to that in the description of this video. Awesome. Nice talking to you, man. Yeah. Thanks. So that's it for my conversation with Eric. Now, if you enjoyed this video, please hop over to Eric's channel, Make Music Income, throw him a follow, throw him a sub, throw him a like on a video, and let him know that we appreciate his knowledge and insight into this topic. I will leave a link to his channel in the description of this video so you can go check it out easily. And lastly, before I let you go, if you don't subscribe to the channel, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And at the end here, got a couple more videos you can check out. And as always, thanks for watching, and I'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Thank you.